thing now. Uh, really quickly before we start, Greed, uh, I'm just going to do the quick intro, and then it's just going to go on the, like, I'm Silver, that's Bailey, and then we'll just be like, introduce yourself, Greed. Introduce you. <clears throat> okay. Welcome to the Writer's Workroom Podcast. I'm your host, Silver, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Bailey. And we have a very special guest on today's episode. We have the one, the only, Greed slash Seagate. Greed, if you'd like to give a quick blurb, say hello, introduce yourself. Nice to meet you. I'm, uh, yeah, uh, write fan fiction and uh, go by the name Greed720 and Seagate, depending on what you're into, <laughs> if you read me. <laughs> Which of the two accounts you want to, you feel like reading that day? What, um, basically, yeah, yeah, kind of impressive because he's both the second and third most popular British fan fiction author. That is true. Third um, most, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely up uh, there, you, you are definitely, definitely one of up the, there. not even like top, as British far as the authors. ones that I know, yeah, I would say top, like, definitely one of the top authors just in general. Uh, you know, EL tracks followers and favorites and all that, and you're definitely you're the top author in the rankings and all that. Um, but like, if yeah. I just mention PGO fanfic, I mostly hear either, of course, you got your standard, uh, uh, Bailey, what's the especially in the PGO crossovers, <laughs> oh, uh, Anklamuska, yeah, that's the word, Anklamuska 14. But I mean, right after that, because everyone's read his stuff at this point, it's been years. You're always up there too. I, especially well, I mean, you got you got your classic authors. I think anybody who's read crossover works has probably read one of your fix. One of your one plus twenty seven. Uh, maybe I'll say it. Uh, a I mean, there's a, there's a few fandoms you haven't reached into, but that's purely because you haven't been born yeah. enough yet. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I'd say there's a few. As I say, it kind of depends, doesn't it, on uh, what what kind of fandoms you're into. Because I don't really mm. write for the popular ones, so to speak, so much as I just write. Which ones are you interested in? Like. You, yeah. So there's ones that are far more popular than PGO, for example, or uh, mm. My Academia, or some of the other ones I kind of focus on. Like Harry Potter is a very popular one, and I'm Avatar. Yeah, my Harry Potter stories are not particularly popular. Hmm. Well, Especially not compared to people like TBR and uh, those like him. So it kind of mm-hmm. depends on what you're into, really. But I do get what you mean with the crossovers, because back in the day, it didn't really used to be a big thing. It was more kind of... You stick to that one fandom. It's on pure PGO. The books were kind of updating then. Crossovers weren't really that popular. And now they've kind of exploded in the last like five five years or so. It's about far I more popular they definitely than they ever been before. I'm trying to think of what like I think I think it definitely goes hand in hand with Marvel. I think like with this super explosion of Marvel, I think the oh. crossover kind of thought for a lot of people cuz I think I know for a fact that the first crossover fic that I ever saw was a was a Marvel crossover with Harry Potter. Mm. And so I was that that kind of opened my eyes to the crossovers because I'd always seen the crossover section in ff.net and I'm like, and eh, not not for me, not for me. I'd go in there and I'd look and I'd see like 
I'd like go and check the crossover fix of the fandoms that I liked. And back at that time, I wasn't really a big PJO guy, but, and it was, it was always like Harry Potter, Marvel. And I'd read like two chapters of it. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. sucks. I can I think remember I, exactly. I think I really got into one. crossovers with mm. when I started reading Arrow fan fiction. And that was a weird time, but because I'd always go to like the Arrow Flash crossovers because it'll be just like the crossover episodes. No, it was weirder. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember the first crossover I read. It was God of Fairies. Uh, and I remember I read it first on FFN and then FFN was down for a day. Like everything was down, and I saw someone was stolen on Wattpad, and I was like, "No, really?" And I was like, "Ah." As soon as they got to really like, desperate to go over to Wattpad, it was I was not into Ao3 at the moment, but that was my first crossover with God Fairies, which is why it holds a special place. That's why I like when it gets updated, but um. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what uh, what like got you into you know writing fan fiction and all that? Um, it's hmm. a good question. Really, it's more boredom than anything. <laughs> mm. I, what, said, I kind what? of started doing it after I left university, so I kind of was in that kind of period where I hadn't started my new job yet, but mm. I was no longer at university. I was kind of living at home. Most of my friends from home had kind of, well, they'd buggered off doing their own thing. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I know, mm. I'll uh, try and find something to occupy my time. Uh, I started reading stuff and... Then just just went on from there. What was, like, uh, what was the fandom that, like, got you into fanfiction? I'm trying to think, when was uh, your first story? Well, you remember that? Late 2015, around the... uh, It's kind of funny of like all of the major authors that we have interviewed and myself Mm -hmm. and similarly to you as well, so we we all kind of got into it 2015-2016 timeframe. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that year. There must have just been something Mm -hmm. in the air. I gotta say yeah. that it's gonna be cool. Ten year, almost ten years since you started writing. Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a long, long time. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I still have to think of the story. <laughs> mm. Um, what has been like? How is like the the last couple years? Like, has it changed how you have written in general? Like, have you seen yourself like? Writing in a different style, or do you like stick to the same thing? Um, I definitely think I've improved. I think with mm. every story I do, I kind of learn from my mistakes and I make a lot of them. Mm. Usually, kind of reviews kind of point out sometimes harshly, sometimes fairly. Yeah, it's usually my writing, and I like to kind of take those on board and kind of kind of try and learn as I go along. I mean, still not perfect. So I kind of, yeah, as I said, everyone always constantly trying to improve. And it's not just with kind of reviews of my writing. Also, I read other people's stories. I never yeah. see a certain style like from there. I'll be there like, huh, that's interesting. I'll kind of try that out on my stories and see how it, uh, see how it turns out. Now, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I, was, I definitely see that firsthand, you know. I, when uh, 
I mean, that one we were talking about it the other in the other day. You read uh that uh, story by Maury ninety nine, um, and like you gave a really nice review there, and I uh I definitely agreed with it, and that was something like. I started thinking about when you always say you're like I hate when or well not hate but I know you always get frustrated with people that just say good chapter. Uh, so that's something, that's yeah, I think that's I think the good chapter comment is great when you're first starting out, mm. but as you progress further into it and you develop your skills as a writer, you want a little bit more than just good chapter, like. What did you like about it? What was your mm-hmm. favorite part of it? Great chapter. I loved when blank did blank and it affected blank. And it's like, that's great. I'll try to incorporate more of that in there. Like good chapter just tells me that you enjoyed it, which is at the end of the day is the goal. But you want a little bit more. It is. I mean, I do appreciate the, I mean, not, out of the thousands of people that read or view it, mm. there's only like 30 or 40 that actually leave a review. And even just the effort of leaving a good, good chapter is kind of acknowledgement. But like you say, mm. you kind of want a bit more kind of, if you're trying to use this as a learning experience or trying to get feedback and see whether your ideas are working, whether it's not working, you're always trying to gauge the re- reaction of the audience and say, did I just do something stupid? At the moment, you're just saying good chapters, and I assume not, but at the same time, it could be, and I just kind of indoctrinated into saying good chapter at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's better sometimes, though, than, like, the really weird comments that you're like, okay, are you commenting on a story or just in general? <laughs> yeah, I've had some weird ones. I've had some very weird... Uh, I've had people basically giving me a small bio of some bizarre fandom that I've never even heard yeah. of before. Yeah, I, mean, I, I received do, a few things from people on the server actually, but they were like <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I think my favorite thing to do is I'll go through the reviews of like, say, God of Fairies or, or one of your I'm using God of Fairies a lot, uh, Moonlight, things like that. And I just love seeing the 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 way the reviews turn out. So you'll get like the really nice reviews that are like good chapter, or, that's an amazing chapter. I love how you did this character, and then there's the angry review. So, this character would never do this. You wrote Percy completely wrong, and it's like, well, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I love those reviews. Oh, I do too. Oh, I absolutely love them. I get <laughs> because they're the just so funny. <laughs> they're just so funny that you got so pissed off about a fan fiction that you decided <laughs> to leave a nasty review. Like, thanks for the comment. Like. <laughs> Now, I'm not one to, like, I'll very rarely, like, read reviews before I read a story. But if I see, like, a 36-chapter-long story that has, mm. that's been updated recently and I'm, like, I'm questioning it. Like, it's got a questionable bio. I'll go and read some reviews and, like, first-chapter <laughs> reviews and I'll be like, okay, this is the vibe. But I, I do not. I always kind of take them as a compliment. If someone's got that angry about your story, that yeah. then surely you're doing something right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and the simple fact of the matter is you can't please everybody. Because if you make a overpowered Percy and he just walks through enemies like it's nothing, he looks at Kronos and Kronos fades to dust. Like, 
There's no fun in that. No, but there's like, an audience for it. As I say, there is the, an uh, audience uh, for it, but <laughs> at, at the other end of the spectrum, there's an audience that doesn't want that. There isn't. As I say, with fan fiction, there's always something out there for everyone. So yeah. not everyone's got the same taste. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the fun part of it. That there's just so much diversity with the different stories, the different storylines. People kind of write the stories they want to tell. And not everyone will like what you lot write, but same time some people will so it's kind of uh, yeah take from it what you will <laughs> well, well i i also love the fact of the matter is with fan fiction and especially fan fiction authors you'll get stories by the same author that are just not your style and you can love six out of the seven stories that they write and then the seventh story you're just like it's good but it's just not my cup of tea like and I just think that's amazing. Like, I just think that's so fun that you can have so much creative liberty in this. Whereas with like a published author, you may not have that aspect of it, unless it's like Stephen King who publishes six books a year. <laughs> well, I find with the published authors is that they've got like their own professional editors and they kind of sanitize it and they kind of remove a lot of the different bits and pieces to try and market it to people, to try and make it mainstream so it'll actually sell. Mm-hmm. So self-published things tend to be more interesting, I find, than the kind of the big blockbuster books because it's kind of a bit more personal. And I know it's stupid, but I always find it that way. They're more interesting fan fictions because of the mistakes in them and because of the stupid decisions. Yeah, I I listen to a lot of fan fiction works because I can't just sit down and read for eight hours a day. So I use the voice to text feature on the fan fiction app. And I always I always find it funny when it'll go like when when like words will repeat or like mm. it'll be so horrifically misspelled that it's like spelled out. The letters are spelled out. And I just chuckle at that and I'm like, oh, that slipped by. Cause I, I everyone has misspelled a word. Nobody is perfect. And just to see just almost raw thoughts of a story just going onto the screen. It's just kind of refreshing sometimes. Oh, absolutely. But I have noticed that the quality of fan fictions have been getting better. Oh, like yeah. Back in 2016, it's like the typos, the gram- grammar, grammatical mm-hmm. errors are quite common. But now you're getting like proper writers who have kind of got multiple beaters and they're kind of actually angling to write their own kind of original stories and get them published. So there's actually a lot. I've found that that's kind of almost a detriment to myself is that I found such great authors and I'm not expecting that level of work now, but I'm almost a little disappointed is not the right term, but Every now and then you find a diamond in the rough on fanfiction.net. And like our, the top 10, the former top 10 authors on the EL and TBR and a bunch of other authors. And you'll occasionally find these diamonds in the rough. And then you're constantly searching for the next one. Now, I don't but, understand why you've been spoiled a bit with all of the good writers out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it, it's and it's terrible. And it's almost too much of a good thing because I remember back in the days of 2015 when the best writer on FF.net was Ankle Muska 14. 
and like because he had complete stories that were well written and the good good storylines for 2015 and you just i go back and i read those and i remember I recently reread one of my first, like, this is a great story fan fictions. And I realized that the pacing was terrible. <laughs> like, absolutely terrible. Like, the entire events of the story took place in three months. And I'm, yeah, that kind of always reminds me of the old, uh, used to be a, a trend of stories a few years ago where it was uh, Harry's summer after, in Harry Potter. Yep. Stories. Harry's summer and the Order of the Phoenix, and you'd have his summer lasting like forty chapters, and it's just so dragged yeah. out, so stupid. <laughs> well, and that's that's the beauty of fan fiction is where Rowling had to take an entire book to get to the end with the confrontation with Voldemort. You can do it in three chapters on fan fiction. <laughs> I don't need to know that Harry went to care magical creatures went potions then defense against the dark arts harry went to class and then after class like that unless the class is important i very few authors will include the mundane day-to-day things and i think it just makes for more efficient reading because you can get to more interesting topics but i've also found and i'd be curious to pick your brain about this but I've recently been enjoying more stories that are centered around characters in their adult lives. And I'm thinking it's because I'm getting older and I'm sick of reading about kids. Anybody else feeling that? Oh, 100%. No, I do understand what you mean. With both points, actually, including, as I say, the pacing and also, yeah, as you kind of get old, you empathize less with, uh, with kids. Years, and- yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's why I I like uh, Ring of Chaos so much is because you had Percy like a lot older and I was like yeah an older Percy like a lot of your stories have older Percy I think I've said this in our DMs where I've said I'm like I I like that more it just feels natural as well well it's also a new set of problems I find where and almost any character that was centered around the teenage years, because that's what most of the fandoms were into are set around kids, teenage kids, kids, pretty much. They are kids mm-hmm. in their teenage years, usually about with Harry Potter, it's 11 to 17 is when we saw Harry with Percy. It was also well, does... 11 to <laughs> It was also 12 to... Okay, I'm really noticing a thing here. Yeah. A trend here. Um, and and it, I just... I think that's why I gravitated towards Game of Thrones a lot more because they they usually age up the characters or they go off of um, show ages, not book ages and all that stuff. But I just find that... Especially with like Percy Jackson and Harry Potter especially, um, that I just don't care about school problems anymore <laughs> and they try and add tension with like the school rivalry between draco and harry and i'm like god it's so <laughs> annoying i find it funny sometimes sometimes it's, it's, it's kind funny. of funny yeah it's nice sometimes but i just find that i want something a little bit older like the seventh years 
part of the yeah. reason why I can like all the characters is that I kind of I no longer know how mm. teenagers speak and I kind of don't want to write those stories where you've got like twelve year olds speaking like adults. I'm just mm. they're always so cringy, so shit. <laughs> that's something uh, I think. Mm, that's something I think like really also changed recently. I went back and read a story from 2017. It's like Percy uh, set in like ancient times or uh, or like a, in a really young Percy. He's like three years old and he's talking like full sentences. I'm like and using vocabulary that someone like our ages would. And I'm like, that's not that's not what he would do. He's three years old. I don't think yeah, he knows but... how to say the word uh, vocabulary. Counterpoint, baby talk is the most cringe and annoying thing on the planet. It is. <laughs> but you can just skip those years. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to know. Percy uh, ran around in a circle with his mom going, oh, you little goofer. <laughs> uh, it depends on the kind of story you're going for. There are some stories yeah. that are family orientated and they kind of have this, this and that character being a father to these characters and it's all... Very yeah, yeah. wholesome. <laughs> when, when they're and wholesome, it fits, but like it was uh, it's a really weird story. It's like the origins of Percy, really bad. It really cringy, and it had very, very bad type, a lot of typos. But I was like, you know what? Still read it. See, okay. I, I can, I can understand, I can stand typos. I. What really gets me is when I go back to an older story and it's like, and then they said, and then they said, mm. was said by, and it's like said, 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 at the end of every sentence. And I'm like, oh my God, get a thesaurus, please. <laughs> Do you ever, I, I think that's something I love about your stories, Greed, is the dialogue. Going, going from the said thing, like your dialogue always just hits right. I love it. That's a surprise. I always thought dialogue was my weakest, one of my weakest aspects. To be yeah, we, we've talked about that. I, I think it's like, um, I think it's it's one of your strong suits because you make characters feel like every line they say, I can imagine them saying. Especially since they're a little bit older, I think, uh, go into I have it up to, um, looking at midnight, uh, moonlight, um, with. I believe it was chapter I forget which chapter. I think it's it's one of the chapters when you had Percy uh get like picked off enough and he finally snapped and it was just the way you wrote it, like it, it just felt so good. It just felt like, yeah, that's that's a badass Percy right there. <laughs> um trying to find oh, it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of one of those things I apparently have a tendency according to my reviews to make my character very unlikable. <laughs> here, here we go. Here's a spot. Uh, during uh, it's chapter nine when they're in the cafeteria and uh, Percy's team is talking about the training Percy sets them through and uh, Weiss lets out a groan at that No, not more training. I just love you just had Percy go, let's character building. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's something I can see him saying. He's maybe a year older than, uh, I think, can't, uh, the end of Heroes of Olympus. I think I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. 
But um, I do. Moonlight is one of my favorites. I do like how you. I noticed the. Uh, I like the moonlight. I didn't tell you this when I sent to you the chapters, but I liked how you you slipped in Raftalia there. <laughs> yeah, I kind of uh, tend to do that with uh, some characters. So if you kind of read some of my those, you'll uh, <laughs> notice some very familiar names cropping up in OCs because I just find it funny to kind of add in these little Easter eggs. I was reading that. I was like, oh, that's that's nice. That's a that's a good. <laughs> Oh, in some of my other stories when I'm kind of doing things, I'll always kind of slip something in that amuses me. Like, uh, I think in Oncoming Storm a while back, there was a, mm. I, I kind of uh, mentioned Little Drummer Boy, who kind of also writes a yeah. uh, young <laughs> one in one of the chapters, just kind of slip <laughs> for my own amusement, to see whether anyone picks up on it. I'm trying to think if I did. I haven't read Oncoming Storm for... Yeah. Because, see, I... That's how I found you in the first place was Oncoming Storm. I, because I'm not into animes and stuff, so I have, I don't read most of your other works, but Oncoming Storm and uh, Last King, is it? Yes, yeah, The Last uh, King. I've read a bit of The Last King. Um, and I was very surprised because I was looking through your, uh, I saw you had updated it, and I was like, Game of Thrones? I didn't know you wrote a Game of Thrones story. And I was still... I'm still going through my Game of Thrones kick. I haven't really branched out from many authors for a while, but... Yeah, well... I was going to say, Last King is a bit of a... uh, It's one of my more popular stories, but, oh my god, the first few chapters are so rough. (laughs) I need to go back and sort them out. They're just... uh... My biggest biggest disagreement with it was the fact that his name is Titan, and I just thought that was a cringy-ass name. (laughs) It was kind of supposed to be a riff off Tywin, Tyrion, and also (laughs) a little bit of of humor with it being Titan, and, you know, he fought the Titans, and... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just still thought it was cringy. It's better than, than, like, people that do the superhero fix. There's, uh... Crossovers like MHA and they have like Percy, he's like Neptune. Oh, I just I can never get behind it. I think it's just because I'm like, it doesn't sue him. I guess like power wise it does, but um, freak, damn it. Yeah, not even just that. It's just like when I think of Neptune, I I curse just how, when I was born and like what I watched, but I just think of King Neptune from SpongeBob. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, I hate myself for doing that every time I hear Neptune. But, so, uh, yeah, you juggle a lot of fandoms. Do you do you find it difficult to switch between them? Uh, not really, to be honest. I kind of always switching between all my stories. I'd say I'm not very good at paying attention. I kind of lose interest quite quickly. So I'm kind of part of the reason why I've got so many stories is because. I found them won't hold my interest for long before I move on to another one, so I'm kind of constantly cycling through them, seeing what I have interest me at the point. Oh, there's one constant. The continued story, Finn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Percy Jackson. The Add More Story fandom. It's my favorite fandom. I'm not actually sure why I started writing that, because I didn't actually read Percy Jackson before I... Really? Really? after I started writing Peter Jackson podcast. <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah, just say I don't know why I started 
started it, to be honest. I think I read a few fan fictions and then I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll read the actual books. I was like, oh, those are interesting. I'll play my hand with it. So, yeah, to be honest, uh, it's unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting. But that also is in line with Little DB only reading up until Titan's Curse. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, does he only read up the Titan's Curse? What so, um, what fandom has like your your main interest? Or I would I would say favorite fandom, but like you you shuffle through so many fandoms. I I don't want to say f- favorite. Oh, uh, say there's a few that interest me. Game of Thrones yeah. always interests me. Mm. Avatar: The Last Airbender, I find that quite interesting. My Hero Academia. Mm. So those three kind of interest me. Tokyo Ghoul. Kind of yeah, a, just came out a, with that. Yeah. Uh, you just uh, the new story that you have uh, that you updated recently. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is Tokyo Ghoul, MHA. Yeah, that's kind of a uh, MHA Tokyo Ghoul one. Because I just kind of I like I like kind of pick them up either from reading or from reading other fan fictions or from uh, mm-hmm. watching the animes and they interest me and I'm like, oh, what would happen if this happened or what ha- what would happen if this happened? So. Yeah. It was kind of an exploration of these ideas that just ran, that randomly come to me when I'm actually either reading or watching a source material, thinking, "Huh, this might yeah. be interesting." Well, that's something. I mean, we talked about Tokyo Ghoul mm-hmm. in your channel, and you definitely you sparked my interest in it. And fortunately, I didn't get to start it yet. I've been catching up to another show. Um, mm-hmm. The anime is a bit crap. <laughs> the first yeah, uh, yeah one's particularly good to be honest, which is a shame as. It's an interesting source material and uh, yeah. kind of delves into kind of psychological trauma and as well as it's not just action, it's more character based mm. kind of something I appreciate, kind of more character driven stories as opposed to just action, yeah. action. That's a when you write, do you think about that? Do you think about like I'm going to have an action chapter here or I'm going to make this a slower chapter or do you just I'm just going to write? Um, to be honest, I mostly just write. Uh, mm. I have a vague idea of what I want to do in a, in a chapter, but I just kind of, I don't plot it out that much. I have the mm. main, I have a few, my kind of plot, my plot, my uh, plan for a chapter would just mm. be four sentences, basically. Four <laughs> sentences, one for each scene, and then I kind of mm. go off of that with a vague idea of what I want to do. Yeah. As for the action and kind of other slower paced ones, I'll be honest, I hate writing action. I find it boring. Yeah. I, I I think we talked about that. I think it's very hard to do. It is, and also it's just kind of a lot of the time you'll read read some of these stories where there'll be the this act this fight and it'll last multiple chapters, and it's by the time you actually fight's end, you've forgotten how it started. Yeah, you basically <laughs> just Dragon Ball Z, which is why whenever I do action fights, I try and end them as quickly as possible because. I just don't find it interesting. I don't find it interesting to read about or write about, but with some of the fandoms I choose, it's kind of necessary because mm. they all kind of have an action element of some sort around them. So it's just kind of rushing past that to then focus more on the characters, their interactions, how they speak, how they develop, how they interact. That's what I find far more interesting than just them fighting or action or even mm. displays power, I find those just kind of, eh, fine, needs to get out of the way and then move on to something more interesting. <laughs> I mean, and you brought that up when uh, your last update of God of Fairies, like, some everyone was talking about how, like, the last chapter, and you were like, yeah, it was a little slow. Um, 
But I, I like that. I, I like when we have Sloan. We get to see the relationships of the characters build up to what they're at and how you, like, have the action and the battles and the fights only last, like, no more than half a page at some points, which I like because, like you said, action does get boring after a while. Well, that and also a lot of these fights, they kind of drag them out stupidly when in reality... Mm. A fight does not last very long. All it takes is one mistake, and the high yeah. mistake, the like a single slip up, a single mistake, and the fight's over. Yeah, it's not gonna you... be, yeah, it's cheap. If you get punched in the face by someone who's trained to punch, you're gonna go down. Mm. Doesn't matter how tough you are, you will go down. Yeah, and that's something you you write really well in fight scenes is when someone makes a mistake, they get punished for it. They get they get punished really bad. And uh, looking at god of fairies the first uh couple chapters um when you have the the speed magic uh eraser uh racer charges at percy and percy just wipes the floor with him not even like one second so i, I was like damn that's that's a good fight scene that's that we know yeah it's uh it's try to get it over as fast as possible also i do like you say like punishing my characters if they do something stupid, doesn't matter if they're the MC or a supporting character, an antagonist, a protagonist. If they do something stupid, they want to make sure they're punished for it. Mm. It's all too often you have these kind of a uh, uh, Mary Sue characters who just kind of do no wrong. They're constantly they waltz through the entire story. Everyone agrees with them. Everything's perfect. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But in, rea- in reality, if they're that, a kid, yeah, I mean. Yeah. No one agrees with there will never be perfect agreement on any decision. There will always be someone who hold who doesn't agree. And you always display that really well. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh some parts off the top of my head, but it's been forever since I've reread all of your stories. Um no, 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 no. monumental task. <laughs> it's quite a few there of them. There are a lot of them, and uh, yeah, none of them are finished. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I can get through them. I don't have to worry about the finished ones. Um, I do like when people are like, I do. It will always crack me up. The the update when comments always. I think my favorite reaction was when he just straight up deleted the story. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you deleted Wayward Son. One time, when I was I was in the middle of reading it, <laughs> and I was like, I think I was in chapter like five, and then I clicked on the next chapter, it was just gone. I was yeah. like, well, "Where's the story?" And then I go, I go onto the L. I'm like, "Oh, it's gone. Great." <laughs> well, yeah, I deleted that for two days because someone pissed me off about it. <laughs> that was that was funny because I remember someone was like, "He wouldn't do it." And I'm like, "No, you did it." <laughs> Not test spite because the amount of things that have been done out of spite is innumerable. When you recover the story, does it keep like all the follows and everything too? Um, you kind of—I'm not sure. I think you lose the ones from the last 24 hours, but it's a sacrifice. Yeah. I'm willing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not like, like you're hurt for the because... followers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my... really... Yeah. I think I had to refollow. Hmm. I think I had to refollow Wayward Son after that because I think that's when I followed it 
was very uh when you deleted it <laughs> you know as i say it's not, not the followers don't really yeah. i don't really do it for followers or favorites i mean i'll do it for my own amusement so yeah. although it is nice to have lots of people following it's not really the be all and end all for me i mean yeah if i have no followers at all i'd still be doing it i'd just be a I'd just have twice as many stories because I wouldn't be helping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the uh, I'm similar. I don't care about followers. I just write because I want to write, and I think that's how all writers should be. hundred well, percent, and especially because followers don't actually mean anything. Yeah, I mean, if you hit the right tropes, if you hit the right mood when people like, for example, back in 2015, mm. some of the Harry Potter stories that were released have got tens of thousands of followers. Yeah, They're fucking shit. Some of them. It's just all cliche and tropey, and it's the kind of thing you've read a thousand times before. But because it hit it at that moment where that kind of story was at its peak, it got tons of followers. Yeah. But then there's other people, like in Tate, for example, yeah. from the server. Mm. He's a phenomenal writer, but he's not got a huge amount of followers, despite being well, he's a substantially better writer than me, and yet he's not even got ten percent of my followers, which is kind of yeah, a bit of a bit of an example itself, isn't it? I mean, it's all we can always look at. Tree, no, it hasn't posted anything, but or he's posted a few things. He always, me and him always joke about him getting a channel for the EL so he can get more followers. That would be quite interesting, to be honest. I mean, uh, there's a uh, one that was um, Umbridge or kind of posted a link uh, in a recommended channel of a uh, yeah AO3. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm, and it's literally just I am group repeated. Multiple times, and it's got yeah. 136,000 kudoses. Yeah, we can yeah. always look back to at uh Percy Jackson when we we're I'll, I'll call it the dark ages of Percy Jackson fan fiction, but the chaos, chaos like they were they were big, they were they were they were top of the fandom. I, I, I don't think anybody who read PJO from about 2014 to 2017 did not read a chaos fic. <laughs> oh, I love those. They're so stupid. <laughs> they were so dumb. And <laughs> now, granted, I'll go back and I'll read um, Son of Rome by Angela mm. Muska 14. But I, I count that as one of the exceptions to that, that yeah. trope that came out of it. There's one that I'll go back and read. There, there's always a couple. And then, not to mention Guardian of the Hunt. Can't forget that one. Oh, it was a decent one. I kind of was reading it when it was kind of first started, and I really enjoyed mm. it. But then I say it just kind of got longer and longer, and I'd say yeah. interest kind of faded from that. But it kind of happens when you're kind of waiting so long between updates. Things kind yeah. of things in your life change. Things move on. I mean, even writing itself as uh, like fan fiction itself has moved on. But if you kind of go back yeah. to like Anna Klumos's stories, for example, they were kind of the peak. They defined the genre it's jackson fan fiction yeah. they kind of, all the tropes come from those stories yeah if you reread them now comparing them to things like some of the stories combat's coming out with or i think his name's bronze something or other i can't remember yeah bronze and steel Ill, yeah you kind of all oh, the guy who wrote, wrote that percy jackson artemis one where he i can't remember what it's called uh, I, i'm just trying to think of way maybe or something like that i can't, I can't remember, remember. Either way, there's some stories that are coming out nowadays that are just so, so much better than the OG them, stories. Yeah. But it's because they've kind of built off of those stories using the uh, tropes and they're saying, 
actually, let's do the opposite of this trope and see what happens. Yeah. Let's take this idea and then turn it on its head and kind of explore, develop. Well, yeah, and I then like you've it. got authors like Wolfgang doing The House of Potter Greengrass, which is very reminiscent in a way of the old Lord Harry Potter, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Peverell, Black, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, I love it, it's those those were always fun but they were a fun read especially when i was younger because it was like oh a 15 year old gets unlimited power in his world like and uh, a guilty pleasure fic i think those are like guilty pleasure fics but you, you now now you're now reading the house of potter greengrass i go i can't go back to those because this is a power fic where Harry is incredibly powerful. He does have a lot of political influence, but it's so well written and it makes so much sense in the context of the story and some and a bit in the world that it just it sets the bar to another level. And I'm not concerned that the bar will be set too high in fan fiction. I don't think that that's a problem because there's always an audience for mm. everything. Because fan fiction is one of those things where since it's free, that you can join at any time. Uh, and so... Do notice that there has been kind of a uh, growing number of writers that have Patreons, for example, or Kofi pay Patreons. Yeah. So it's not going to be free for longer, I doubt. <laughs> see well, the things behind payroll walls. I definitely see that. I definitely see that trend, and I think that that is a concerning turn, but at the same time, I believe that you can't just start off writing fan fiction and put a Patreon link in your bio if you have just started off. <laughs> you have to build up a following. You could, but nobody's going to subscribe to it. No, that's true. You kind of need to build up an audience first and then... Uh... You need to build up an audience first. And I think, I think there will always be an audience for free stuff because you yeah. look at YouTube... And I think YouTube's a great example of you you don't need to pay to watch insert random YouTuber here who has a Patreon. There there's some benefits, but I I look at I'm gonna use TBR for an example. I do, I am part of his Patreon, so on that aspect. But I, I find that I read more of his fix on ff.net than I do on the app or through patreon and all that stuff purely because the ui and all that stuff and he has mentioned before in vcs and stuff that he's tried to get away from fanfiction.net and i think that he's in a special boat because he is the only fanfiction author that i know of who does fanfiction full-time does he do it full-time that's uh, that's impressive he must be doing well for himself then. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, he's better off than any of us. Yeah. 
it's good for him, to be honest. I mean, yeah. if you can make it work, and if it can, if, if that's your dream and you can make it work, then all power to you. Yeah. But I, but I, I think... They're putting hours and hours of their time into it, so if they can, they're content creators of their own. Yeah. So go for it. There's more talking have... about... Yeah. Yeah. Less of being free nowadays. Well, um, my one thing right now, I've been thinking about it. Um, how has, like, in your opinion, how has fan fiction grown? Like, we've all, obviously, like, we've all been here for a while. We've been in this whole, like, I guess I'll just call it a spear, uh, the spear of fan fiction, but. As someone who's been writing a lot longer than me or Bailey, how's like, have you seen like, has fan fiction grown from when you started to now? Is it like, in your eyes, is it more popular than it's ever been? Or has it like, has it started to, is it starting to die out? Um, hmm. Well, first of all, you make me sound very old. But uh... <laughs> In terms of writing, not, not actual age. Well, no, I do. It's, it's complicated, as I say. A lot of the yeah. old guard, a lot of the uh, original massive writers from back in the day, from back when we started reading mm-hmm. and writing, they've all gone. They've Real life has kind of taken the precedence, or they've died, or they just mm-hmm. lost interest, or they've kind of become Stop, professional writers. Yeah. So they've been replaced with a new, kind of a new generation. And to be fair, I mean, there, there's still lots of stuff going out, I think. The fan fiction being produced nowadays is far of far higher quality than what was being mm. made even three years ago. Yeah. Is there less of it though? I mean some fandoms I... do die, some go strong. I mean, Harry Potter has been going strong for twenty plus years. Yeah. But other, other fandoms like Inheritance Cycle for a instance never started off. So <laughs> it really depends on what fandom you're into. I mean, some fandoms yeah. will always be popular. Harry Potter mm. will always be popular. Naruto will always be popular. Yeah, a lot of them just kind of they have their moment to the sun and then right. they go. I think now, there's definitely waxing and waning of popularity. Mm. I I think you you mentioned the inheritance cycle and I that's how I that's got into thing. fan fiction. <laughs> that's how I got into fan fiction was I was looking for like fan theories and all that stuff and I stumbled across fanfiction.net and inheritance cycle and I was like oh what is this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, people are writing stories about it. That is so cool. And down the rabbit hole, seven-ish years later, I'm hosting a fan fiction podcast. So never saw that coming. (laughs) Um, But I think all fandoms wax and wane. And we've talked about it before in VCs. And I believe on the podcast too, that the, the Percy Jackson especially will probably receive an increase in fan fiction viewers and authors with the release of the new show because people are going to go back. If if you already had a uh, if you already had an affiliation with fan fiction before, if you read Harry Potter fan fiction or you read or you read old fan fiction back in 2010. Coming back to it with the resurgence of Percy Jackson coming out, the the ads for it are going to start coming out soon. The trailers and all that stuff may may convince people to pick up the books again, or may go say, "Hey, I used to read Percy Jackson fan fiction. I wonder how that's going." Or it may it may inspire them to write again. Who knows? Maybe we can see the return of Ankylomusca fourteen and 
these past couple of years, he's been nothing but improving. So it, it might be interesting. And I definitely, I've definitely noticed the torch of the old guard passing, passing on mm. of you got authors like James Spooky of the Harry Potter fandom, excellent author. He hasn't published anything recently that I've noticed. Now, granted, I'm not super invested in like news stories and all that stuff. I've been very neutral in finding new stuff, but you've got James Spooky, Anglomusca 14, all the chaos fic authors, the Lord Harry, the Lord of Too Many Titles, Harry Potter fix. Like you've got all those guys, guys and gals who've passed the torch. And I always used to have the thought when I was younger that fan fiction was for high schoolers and college kids that once you graduated college life just got in the way and you just wouldn't have time to write and like all that and now i'm seeing at least in the aspect of i'm seeing a lot of older writers and not older in the aspect of like older than what i expected like you're not getting the 14 year old kid in their room writing twilight fan fiction anymore you've got the 28 year old writing full-blown novels for harry potter or the 26 year old writing percy amazing percy jackson fix and i think i think that's why we've seen an uptick in quality is the fact of the matter is a lot of people grew up reading the books reading the fan fiction and now they've evolved into writing and mm. so the quality of writing has gone up because it's not kids writing it anymore. It's young adults to middle-aged people. I mean, Wolf, we've interviewed Wolfgang and he's got three kids and a full-time job. And we've got Greed, who's got a full-time job. Myself, who's got a full-time job, who doesn't write. But that's not because of a lack of time. That's a lack of motivation. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, but it does at the same time ask the question of where are those younger writers if they're not here then are they even doing I think the I think they are I just think that the I just think that the, for they're getting buried because you've got all of these older more established authors and people fall into a rut like myself where I'm reading the same six authors stories over and over again and I haven't branched out for a while. I think the last new author that I found was Wolfgang last year. And so mm -hmm. I fall in, I, I especially fall into these ruts of, I want something new, but I don't want something different. I, I definitely agree with you, though. That, that's, yeah. So yeah. this is a question that I wanted to ask a little while ago. Do you, are known for your multitude of fandoms and we've asked this question of other authors in the past is there a fandom that you just won't touch no, because you don't feel you can do it justice or you don't have or that it just didn't excite you in a way or you're just scared of the fan base uh yes i would say there is uh i'd say star wars for one is one i wouldn't touch really mm, it's that's too, a pretty common one it's too big it's too vast uh, there's some fandoms where it's just they're just too there's too much to know and I don't know enough about it. Like I like stills, but my knowledge ends with the films. Mm. So and the the lore around it is just so massive and so intense 
There's another one is Warhammer 40k. Yeah. I used to play it as a kid, oh. but I wouldn't touch a fan fiction of it <laughs> because it's just so complex and so vast. I kind of prefer my uh, fandoms kind of smaller, more manageable, something I can kind of mm. get my head around and do my research on because I like kind of doing the research, but you kind of go down rabbit holes with these gigantic ones and just... And there's so many bloody purists out there who just get so angry when you don't follow the law or wage. Oh, I don't know. As I say, Star Wars is one thing I don't think I'd ever touch, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think anything that has multiple worlds in the aspect of, like, there's literally multiple different planets and different factions on the said planets and then sub-factions of those factions. You, you get into it and you're like, what do the Nibuians think of the... Coruscantians and what is what is the effect of this happening to this and you're just so far into the weeds you forgot why you actually started writing the fic in the first place mm. yeah so I think I'll just read the fanfics of those and not actually write mm-hmm. anything myself <laughs> I I have I give major props to the Star Wars authors out there that is I've thought about it a couple times I've I've definitely thought about it and then at the end of the day it's like I just there's so much work to go into it. A, a Percy Jackson Marvel crossover would be significantly easier to do. I gave up ask. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it, it, it goes down to the, I want to have a Mandalorian character. Okay, does he follow the way? He doesn't. All right, was he involved in the Siege of Mandalore? Uh, they were. All right, what side of yeah. were they involved in? Oh, they were on the Bo-Katan blah, 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 side. Okay, yeah. are they involved? Will they be involved in the events of Mandalore, or how old are they? What? And then, and then you're just cascading down to you're going through forums about what weapons did Mandalorians carry during the Old Republic, and you're like, what was I doing in the first place? It's a snowball effect. It is. It is. So it's that kind of tend away from the uh, more the bigger, more complex fandoms are going to stick to something simpler, something a bit more digestible. <laughs> mm. I say that as somebody who started a Elder Scrolls crossover fix, so... No, I'm still waiting for the next chapter. Um, yeah, 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 it's half-written. <laughs> <laughs> also, again, that's the beauty of crossovers. Sometimes you can take a character from a far more complex fandom, and then you can just wedge them in another fandom that's a lot easier to kind of manage well it also helps that most people's elder scrolls knowledge in that aspect and or game of thrones knowledge because it's a game of thrones star uh, elder scrolls crossover is very surface level you've got most most people i'll say their experience in the elder scrolls world is skyrim or morrowind or oblivion or maybe all three very few people have actually gone back and played Daggerfall or watched the lore videos of the people who've read every single book, written book in in every game forward and have an encyclopedic like knowledge of the fandom. And but at the same time, you've got the people who've read every single Game of Thrones book, watched the show, watched House of the Dragon, watched every interview of George R. R. Martin about the world, read every aspect of it. 
sitting right reading the same fic as the person who just watched the show and i think you've got to be in my opinion you've got to be very pick and choosy of what how deep into the lore do you go because i i delved deep into the elder scrolls lore when i was younger and i know way too much about the history of tamriel (laughs) like way too much like i'm never going to need this knowledge but do I mention anything past the great the war against the Empire and the Altmeri Dominion? No, I don't need to. That most people will barely even remember unless they recently played Skyrim. So just keeping your large worlds contained too is also a monumental task. That's and then true. making it even then making it even better by adding an entirely another fandom to it <laughs> that's true you kind of pick and choose a bit to your like so with my uh um mcu f- kind of crossover i've just kind of mm-hmm. taken the bits i, I like and i just said oh that stuff didn't happen i've retconned it fuck off and with um kind of game of thrones i've kind of taken the show and i've added in aspects of a song of ice and fire that i like but not all of the storylines because say so just makes it too jumbled and too messy so i've just kind of uh a halfway point, so nobody's satisfied. <laughs> My first read through of A Song in Ice and Fire, by the third book, I completely stopped reading every point of view except Jon Snow's. Mm. I would be uh... on my Kindle just <laughs> swiping till I saw big bold letters, John, and then I'd continue mm-hmm. reading because honestly, there was 17 books in a single book, and I'm like, I don't care about like rob died like a book like a book ago or whatever like his he's done i don't care about what's going on south of the wall i want to read about the wall i want to read about Jon snow he's my favorite character in this and then spoiler alerts he died and i'm like great all the time (laughs) yeah all that time wasted but yeah, I've gone I, back. I I've gone back, and I've read the entire series now. But like, my first read through, I was probably about fifteen, and I was like, "I am, I don't care about Daenerys." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know Game of Thrones. So. My issue. But uh, yeah, we're about to hit the the one hour mark. Um, so I I know you said you had to leave after an hour. Agree to? Oh, I can stick around for a while longer if you want. That's uh, it's up to know. you. It's up to you. No, it's fine. Stick around a while longer. Say. Ah, and cool. then, uh, we'll go for I'll another. Mm, <laughs> we'll go for another fifteen, maybe uh, twenty minutes. Yeah, sure. Up with any final questions you might have, or anything um, you think you want to know. I would I would like to get. What's your opinion on? A lot of like the fandoms that you're interested in, like their adaptations, let's say. Uh, <laughs> I believe like some several animes have movies now. You know, we, we got the PGO show, and so I think it's gonna probably be the first time we really actually talk about it. Um, so like things like that. Yeah, we yeah, avoided talks of the PGO show. We avoided because the people who've been on here would make it a little controversial. But I, I feel like 
Green is older and mature enough. Older and more mature than some of the other people. And I say that in the nicest way. Some people are just not mature. <laughs> I love them to death, but... No, I do understand that. I will say it's a tricky question. I mean, I've yeah. never really been there. I've always been kind of a purist when it comes to the books. I always prefer books. Yeah. But as I said, I'm not actually going to be watching the... Uh, the show, the yeah. But the reason for that is because it's not being made for me. Mm-hmm. It's being made for kids. It's being not actually read the books. It's kind of supposed to be kind of a, an introduction to the Percy Jackson world for people who yeah. don't know it. And once they've kind of seen that, then they'll get interested and actually pick up the books. So yeah, as I don't really view it as something that's I'm the audience for, so mm. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. And it's the same with some of the other things. As I say, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of remakes or i mean you've got for example how to train your dragon they're now doing a live action remake of it wait do i think yeah yeah they are i did not see that that's impressive it's just Uh, i would not i think the beauty of that was that it was animated and like it just it 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 works in animation i mean you look at other movies and we i'm going to leave this as is and this blanket statement you look at the Little Mermaid, and you look at Sebastian. Purely looking at Sebastian, the crab, we are not talking about (laughs) anything else. Sebastian in the original was so expressive and animated because he was animated and he wasn't an actual crab. Like, (laughs) that was the beauty of Sebastian, the animated crab, was he could be extravagant more movement and movements that a crab in live action cannot make and i i haven't now i'm going to also preface this i haven't seen the new little mermaid but i've seen clips of like with sebastian and it just looks almost wrong i think there is a place for animation and there's a place for live action I mostly i'm disappointed in the live action remakes and all that stuff mm. is that i believe that there are other stories to be told. There are hundreds of books written every year. There's millions of stories out there. I think instead of rehashing the Percy, like I, I am all for the redemption of the Percy Jackson live action. Like the movies were an abomination, but, and I, I also agree with you greed that it was, it's not made for me. I think that what I would like to see more would be like a Ranger's Apprentice live action show or movie. I would like to see Inheritance Cycle get some redemption. Like there there's a lot more than I that I'd rather see than a Harry Potter TV show on HBO Max. No, but mm. at the same time it's all about money. Those exactly. But no, with regards but, to the question itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find myself nowadays disliking live action adaptations. I prefer the animated ones as there's far more you can do with animation than you could ever do live action with CGI. It just doesn't look good and it ages very quickly and it kind of ruins your experience, bad CGI. So I think if they, for example, the TV show, if they'd done it in the art style of, say, Avatar The Last Airbender or Legend of Korra, that would have been awesome. If they do like, um, what's it called? Inheritance Cycle, for example, in the style of Castlevania, that would be amazing. I think nowadays, 
unless it's like an animated kind of adaptation, I'm not really interested in it. Like, uh, mm. I used to play League of Legends back in the day, and I watched yeah. the arcane, arcane like an uh, animated version of that, and I absolutely yeah. loved it. Because I, I think great, another great example is the Legends of Ox Machina. That's really good too. I've seen both of those seasons. That's uh, yeah, and and the Legends of Vox Machina is literally an ad, an adaptation of a group of people playing D anD. d Now <laughs> there is a lot of stuff taken out and adjusted for a TV show storyline. We don't have an entire shopping episode of three hours of Matt Mercer doing random voices of shopkeepers. But the story still works, and the story elements are still there, and they're bringing back characters that were in the show. And I've watched, I have watched up to, I've watched past on Critical Role, first season, past the show, and I think it's done a great job of being a great adaptation. And I agree with you, I think animated is much better. There's a lot more room for kind of uh, showing off these kind of things, especially in the yeah. fantasy setting. I mean, for example, yeah. Vox Machina was far more the D and D adaptation than the D and D film, which, although mm. fun, was kind of missed the mark in some parts I, where it kind of didn't. I enjoyed the D and D film, but I agree with you. I think I think there the, were some parts that were just there like, were some oh. parts. I also think that. In fantasy, especially a fantasy where you have magic, I think animation is a lot better because you can show with off live that. action. Well, with live action, you're limited with a budget, yeah. a special effects budget. With <laughs> animation, stuff too. with animation, you can have a crazy epic battle scene, and it's not going to cost you much more because you have to hire visual effects artists to come in and if you're doing like and you have to have a you have to have a green screen and all that stuff because it's already animated i think i definitely agree with you i think animation is definitely the way forward i think that's something we're starting to see too i mean uh while percy jackson's getting a live action show uh the king chronicles is getting an animated uh show on netflix Huh, well, if it wasn't Netflix doing it, it would have been exciting. <laughs> yeah, if it was, I mean, it's, Netflix has done some. Arcane was on Netflix, and you know they, that they, was good. Just, uh, yeah, they were they didn't bring it to, They just kind of. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I do see what you. Yeah, mean, but... Netflix has one out of every twenty project that Netflix does. One of them hits the mark. True. In, in terms yeah. of the future, in terms of the future, I actually uh, controversial take me, but mm-hmm. I kind of. The AI-generated images has been the future. Why yeah. pay for live-action actors when if AI kind of catches up, you can just have but... AI doing the same things. If you can have AI-generated action and movement and uh, faces and mm. voices, I definitely think that. Those? I think that's the future. I think AI and animated, kind of a combination of the two, is the future of filmmaking. Well, especially. Especially like in the sense of like fantasy and all that kind of stuff. If you can have AI dictate like the magic and all that stuff, and you still, I, I still think you need people involved. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely agree with you. I think AI will definitely push more people towards animation than 
and there was there was a subtle push towards more animated stuff but then disney started mm-hmm. releasing all of their classics live action everyone was like live action's not dead and it's like live action yeah. live action yeah. fantasy <laughs> is not going to pop lord of the rings so just stop no, there are still, there have been some. Like I did, there's a uh, one adaptation that came out recently that I absolutely loved. Mm. It was a Reacher series. It's kind of a um, oh yeah, I I I did enjoy the Terminal List. Oh yeah, yeah. there's other ones like that. They like they put out some quite good ones. That I've quite kind of enjoyed. I mean, <laughs> Rings of Power was a pile of shit, but they've done other stuff that is actually quite good. Amazon, The Boys, for mm. example, is an adaptation of a comic book. And it's yeah. actually better than the comic book as an adaptation because the comic book was kind of a bit... Well, if you've ever read it, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But the adaptation is substantially better than the uh, comic book ever was. So that's kind I've... of a bonus to take from it, and that's live action. Yeah. What was a good... Netflix did a really good uh, reboot, uh, remake of the Voltron series. Um... I saw that, but I struggled to get into it, to be honest. It wasn't yeah. <laughs> very slow beginning but the second season was really good because it really was like they put a focus on the like the whole story is there's a whole intergalactic war going on and second season that's where the focus was on and it just felt it made Star Wars battles seem like kind of just small and i mean it's just a, it's a generic space fantasy and like the story in general but it was the voice actors were on point and it just like the the way they designed the characters and the, the animation was very clean at some points like there were some spots where i just rewatched the entire fight scene just because how well animated it was but uh you know, that's, that's as more time and time goes on, yeah. I think animation will be the way to go. Yeah. Some I, and I think for some aspects, like like you said, Reacher and and mine, uh, the Terminal List, I think, I think the reason those do, did so well in live action adaptation is I think they're a lot more grounded in what real life is. And so you don't have mm-hmm. Iron Man in it not that the mcu did a bad job i mean we can talk about the cgi the more recent movies but i mean you look you look back at iron man the original iron man and it's held up really well most of the more recent films (laughs) so happy they're they're making the decision to cut back on quantity and focusing on quality and spending more money on the special effects again well, I suspect the MCU's dying. I don't think they're going to finish the Phase 5, to be honest. Um, I think I, they'll I just, get to the end of it, and then I think they're just kind of like going to dump everything. I think, I, hope so. I think the problem is that they... Endgame was Endgame for a lot of people, and then Shang-Chi released, and everyone was like, wait, or the Eternals came out next. Yeah. yeah. Or it was Black Widow came after, and it was like, well, it's this movie should have come out two years ago. That and and everyone's kind of just like, oh look, another Marvel movie. Oh look, Captain America's not in it. Iron Man's not in it. 
Thor's not in it, or Thor is in it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Thor's in it. And yeah, and you as I said, we've got, uh, very positive uh, views of uh, Monday MCU. To be honest, I think they kind of uh, squandered a lot of their goodwill with uh, some of their re most recent uh, stories, like Ant Man and other such things. <laughs> I, I think what's I think what also happened too is just superhero movies if you look at them back in before 2010 you had the big ones Spider-Man's uh, Iron Man you know Captain America Thor all that then you had the ones that didn't do so well Constantine um, Daredevil Punisher things like that you had uh, the Dark Knight, Superman. So I, I think I've... it was just an oversaturation, too. That definitely affected. Yeah, well, and then you had DC hopping in and very much trying way too hard to get into the movie scene competing with the MCU. Because I remember back in high school talking to a friend about it, and it was Marvel makes great movies, DC makes great shows. Um, actually, mm -hmm. I think uh, what DC's issue was is that they went live action. Have you ever seen yeah. the animated films? Oh, the A, yeah. the DCAU is amazing. Pretty great. So they should have they should have doubled down on animation, leave the live action nonsense to the MCU. DC focus on kind of the animated, kind of the uh, extended animated universe or whatever they call it. I that think... would have been very successful, I think. I think with the benefit of animation that a lot of people don't realize that don't think about is the fact that you can use a voice actor for a lot longer than you can use them in real life. Like you could have a voice actor start when they're 32 prime of their life, peak, peak physical at peak physical form. And then you've got, you've got maybe five years for them as a real, like an in-person actor playing Iron Man, or you got Hugh Jackman. <laughs> mm. Man's like in his late, in his mid fifties, still playing Wolverine. Like that cannot be good for him. Like just pointing that out, and you, you have there's a there's an expiration date for live action actors because everyone has an expiration date. You you won't look like you're thirty six for your entire life. But with animation, you can have the same care. You can have the voice actor voice them for 30 years. Well, exactly. I mean, J James Earl Jones, for example, he, James Earl Jones, uh, he, uh, he did Darth Vader in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and he's still doing him now, 50 years later. That's exactly. a voice, voice work. I mean, of course, you'd have well, to pay voice actors as much either. <laughs> you have to pay voice actors, and I, oh, I think... You do, but not as much as you're paying. Like, no, because... Like mm. Robert Downey Jr., you'd pay him £20 million for a film. A voice actor, uh, pay him half of that. Well, and, and the, it's also... A voice, actor can, a voice actor can hop from job to job to job. You're oh, not, exactly. You're not tied down to a set for six months out of the year so you can only theoretically maybe do two movies a year for if you're making voice actor money like it it's it's the aspect of i think 
for longevity, voice actors probably have more longevity than your average face actor is what I'm going to say, for lack of a better term. No, 100%. But what yeah. I try to get at is the fact that the money would be, instead of being spent getting in these big names to try and get people in, in seats to actually watch the film, the money would instead be spent on the budget for like the animation, for paying exactly. the crew behind the animation. It'd be money that would be put back into the film to make it even better. The story, stories would be better because, in, in theory, the stories would be better. I I, mm. I agree with you. I think animation is definitely the way of the future. I think Japan has it right with animation and anime and all that stuff. Like you, you see, I I'm not a big anime guy, but I'll see like the anime fight scenes and stuff pop up on my Instagram oh, reels or so Facebook good. shorts, <laughs> and it's it's like this is epic, and it would cost borderline millions to do this in live action. No, I'd say it takes a lot of time to do, but it's worth it. And as I say, I'm an anime fan, and it's incredible sort of the stuff they're doing nowadays. Some of it's still shit, but some of it is phenomenal. I think I think the best example of animation is better than live action is Avatar. Let's let's be honest here. We mm. the live action Avatar, the flo- the slow floating rock mm. with three earthbenders mm. bending it, as opposed to Toph or your average yeah. earthbender in Avatar, like just moving a mountain or massive spikes i think you just get so much more out of it when everything is animated plus you get the crazy facial expressions that are just fun yeah basically yeah. it's uh, kind of something that they missed a trick on personally but mm. i'm not so much unfortunately <laughs> yeah i yeah. think that's something that definitely like I'm just I, I'm a bit excited to see the difference between the animated uh, King, King Chronicles and the live action Percy Jackson because like two sim they're in the same universe so it would be be interesting to see how uh, the King Chronicles always took second place yeah from from Riordan and I think <laughs> it'll be that- in- <laughs> they, they're really good. Mm. So, but um, I I was rereading them again. They're not bad book. They're not the best though that Rodin wrote. They're not bad. Well, they're better than That's what he's putting out this. <laughs> yeah. You know, have you actually read any of the? Uh, any of the uh, I've been. Uh, yeah, I saw. Some, I have not. I saw some snippets and. <laughs> I read Magnus Chase, and it read very much like Lost Hero, and the that that I did not finish. I did not finish the series. I read the first book, and then I, for lack of a better term, it was kind of the last Riordan book I read. Mm. New Riordan book that I read because I outgrew the series. Yeah. Which I've said before, and I think Riordan really missed the mark with Trials of Apollo. I think he should have gone from a kid's book to more of a young adult book setting, kind of up to the ante, because there is a fan base that grew up with Riordan who've aged out of his books that he could tap into if he just released 
as I said previously, I think in Tombat's mm-hmm. episode, talking about the demigod civil war, or the demigod side yeah. of World War II, or like and all that stuff. I think that would be very interesting of a more mature Percy Jackson series. No, hundred percent. If he'd kind of done that, like young adult or even just adult, just uh, an actual book as opposed to his children's book, he he still have kind of clinging on to his uh, clinging on to his past. He just moved forward to the future, let his writing evolve, and tried to write to the audience he'd built for himself. He would have done far better than just trying to appeal to a to a group of to a group he no longer kind of has any connection to. He wrote his first books for his child. Now his child mm-hmm. is the same. He's older than me as child. I mean, yeah. bloody hell. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's not got I mean, a connection with children anymore. He doesn't understand them. I mean, I don't really understand them. I'm half his age. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, uh, I was also going to say the last thing I have on my mind is uh, what's like... What's your take on people that say, I don't like this, so it's not canon? Um, um what, uh, in what sense of the terms? Like, let's say... They've read a story and they say, I'm not going to write that, I'm going to retcon it yeah. out of canon. But let's I say... Yeah. I don't think it's acceptable if to just ignore... For example, a lot of people say, I don't see the trials of... Oh, as canon. Yeah, I think it's kind of a bit arrogant. For my mm. stories, it's not canon, but in terms of mm. the actual canon, it is still canon because it, it's not it happened. Yeah, it's not my story; it's his story. It has happened. Therefore, in terms of the reality of it, it is still canon, even if you don't like it. You can ignore it when you write your stories, and I mm. often do. I often say in my head, canon, it doesn't happen, but right. in the reality of things, it is canon. You can't deny someone's mm. work. You can't turn around to the audience and say, I don't like these books, therefore I'm going to pretend they don't exist. They do exist. You can't, you're in denial. They do exist. They are part of the canon, even if you mm-hmm. don't like it. So that's kind of my take on it. Like, I despise The Last Jedi. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. once said it's not canon because it's not. Uh, it's complicated. Yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. you. You don't I like it, it, so it's not to you. When you, if you were to write a story, you wouldn't have it in your story, but it is still you still acknowledge it as canon. I acknowledge it as the actual canon, but in my yeah. story, I don't acknowledge it. But yeah. that's more of a choice because I think it's kind of disrespectful in a way to kind of mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, you've spent all this time working on this. I've loved your work, and although I don't like some of the stuff you come out with recently, yeah, I'm just going to say fuck off. I'm just going to ignore you." So I say I think it's disrespectful to kind of. Decanonize something, well, arrogant more than that. Arrogant yeah. and intellectual to decanonize something that isn't yours to begin with. Personally, that's my uh, take on it. Anyway, controversial. Well, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's that controversial. So, yeah. Well, uh, with that, it is uh, time to end it. Um, huh? So. About my next story. Yeah, thank you so much, Reed, for being here. Thank you for uh, discussing some of these topics and answering our questions. It was really, uh, really insightful and really helpful to get uh, an opinion from someone who's been doing this uh, really long, has had such an impact on the fanfiction community as a whole. Um, 
for all the listeners, we'll um, we'll put down Breed's uh, link so you can check out his stories in the description below. Um, remember, he does have two accounts, so you'll have to click on both links to read them all. And um, if you have any questions, click the uh, follow the link for the Discord. You can talk to us there. Um, you know, if you have any questions uh, that you want us to ask future guests, do that through the uh, through the Discord. And uh, other than that, any last minute words from Bailey or Greed? Thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming on. It was great. We we may have to have you back sometime. No, not a problem. It was fun. I probably uh, went far off uh, off topic, but. As I've said in the past, the questions are just an excuse to get off topic. (laughs) The best conversations happen off the beaten, off the topic. Mm. Well, uh, as always, thank you. Goodbye. See you next time. Yep.